everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce and Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder, who together have formed a committee on racial justice and reform with the National Basketball Coaches Association. Several meetings over this weekend among the league's 30 coaches and and these are two now of the leaders of the NBA's coaching fraternity who are determined to have an impact, not just in their communities and with their organizations, but nationally right now in this time of crisis. Quinn, Lloyd, guys, how are you this morning? Good, Woj. Thanks. Doing well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for jumping in. This was... For everybody in this country, this has been a dramatic and heartbreaking and really devastating period of of time over the past week, weeks. And the Coaches Association, which you two are obviously a part of, uh, issued a, a strong statement this morning. We reported on it about police brutality, racial profiling. The, the weaponization of racism and talked about how shameful, inhumane, intolerable it is. There's a lengthy statement that's available for people to read. But what you also did this weekend, guys, was put together a committee on racial injustice and reform to try to pursue some solutions around NBA cities. And you know, I think people are familiar with some of the names on that committee, you know, it's been some of the, certainly some of the leaders, not just in the NBA, but in all of sports on social issues, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, uh, David Fisdale, Stan Van Gundy, but also Lloyd Pierce and Quint Snyder. And you guys are part of that committee. Take me through Lloyd and, and you were instrumental in putting this together from Friday night until Saturday. Uh, when you get 30 NBA coaches on a zoom call, what was the conversation in your coaching fraternity about, you know, really activating as a group? Honestly, a lot, a lot in a, in a very short period of time. You know, I, I had just gotten off a Zoom call Thursday evening with our players and our staff. Um, and I think I, I shocked our players with the emotion I expressed about the events that have occurred over that few days. I think at that point, it's Thursday. It's just Sunday and Monday night where we're seeing the incident in New York. We're seeing the death in, in Minneapolis. Um, and and from that speaking engagement with the players and the emotional side of it, uh, I, I just could not stop thinking that this has to be discussed. Things have to change. We have a platform. What can I do with our team, with our organization? Um, and naturally with our coaches association of which we all belong and, and we're all unified on a lot of different things, but this is probably the most important thing that we need to be unified on. And that's, that was simply just a phone call. You know, I reached out to David Vogel, uh, David reached out to Rick Carlisle. We all sat down and talked and, and I expressed what I've expressed to Tony wrestler, what I've expressed to our players and, and what ultimately I expressed to, to the coaches, um, I am not okay. I was extremely emotional this week. There's a fear as a, as an African-American man. Forget the coach part. The coach part is irrelevant. Uh, 
as an African-American man, there's a fear that I, that I have that I know a lot of other people have, um, that needs to be addressed and needs to be spoken about. And, you know, I, I told Rick and I told David, I said, if we're, if we truly are an association, if we're a coaches association and we're unified on, on certain things, this is the most important thing. We need to do something and, and it has to happen now. And, and I, you know, Rick was tremendous. Um, and you're talking about Rick Carlisle, the Rick, Dallas Rick Carlisle. the president of the yeah. coaches association. Yeah, he, he was tremendous. I, I've been, I've been in a lot of conversations with the assistant coaches in our league that are African American and, and JB Bickerstaff is in our committee just so um, that yep. name was left out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in that conversation that I have with the Jamal Mosley, David Vanderpool, JJ Outlaw, Johnny Bryant, John Bryant, uh, Darvin Ham. There's so many people that I, that we speak to consistently, not just about this, but all, all the time. And, and they're all messed up. They're all bothered. They're all emotional. And I expressed that to the coaches. Um, so the conversation was initially get every coach on a Zoom call. And we all need to communicate well with one another about what's going on just amongst us so that there's a greater understanding of what's going on in our world. Um, we have a leadership position. We have a platform but if we don't really understand the true the, the true origin of the problem and the fact that it's affecting some of us, if not all of us, and it should be affecting all of us, but the fact that it is affecting all of us, we need to figure this out now. And to every coach's credit, um, you know, JB Bickerstaff, myself, and Rick, we split up the thirty coaches in the NBA, and we just called literally personal phone calls and and and. Uh, you know, my, my, my first call was to coach pop. My second call was to coach Kerr. Um, and that's my relationship with those two guys from team USA. And we've had this conversation before when we were in, in China over dinner. I just asked, can you guys, are you available to have a meeting? And I need your support because I just feel compelled that we have to do something as a, as a coaches association. And that's how the meeting started. Everyone. Uh, within, I would say two hours was reached, uh, was contacted by myself, Rick Carlisle or, or JB Bickerstaff and, and every coach was fully supportive and, and in attendance the next day at, at 5 p.m. Quinn, and I think part of what I was told that the com- some of the conversations centered on this weekend with your group was this has to be all 30 coaches and, and there's 180 assistants and, you know, certainly head coaches have a different public platform than an assistant would have. But I think the idea that this isn't something as a group we're going to just leave to either our black coaches or Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, you know, Stan Van Gundy, when he's been a head coach in a league, and I know he was a part of that letter this weekend and a part of this stand has been um, a voice on these issues. But the, the idea that everyone's got to play a role in this, Quinn, in your fraternity, was that something you felt uh, among the group? Yeah, I think the first thing I felt because the meeting began with Lloyd, you know, expressing himself um, and really asking us um without being accusatory in any way, but to me, um, 
trying to be transparent with myself. And frankly, some of the, you know, one of the things, Lloyd, that you talked about was the conversations that you had had with assistants. And some of the guys that Lloyd just mentioned, um, a Darvin Ham, a Johnny Bryant, are close friends of mine. And uh, I know as you're thinking about, you know, yourself and what your role is, you know, I know I hadn't done the kind of job at that moment that I could have done communicating with those guys, not just as friends, but as, you know, African-American coaches, Johnny's on my staff. Um, and it made me, you know, as Lloyd was talking more, as JB was talking, as Alvin Gentry was sharing, um, it made me, you know, catch myself and, you know, ask some really, you know, trying to be transparent with yourself and being a little bit uncomfortable, um, knowing that, you know, in your heart, you know, I don't, I'm not a racist, so to speak, but that's, that's not really what this is about. Um, I mean, it is fundamentally, uh, but it's also about being willing um, to have that dialogue, to be transparent, to be honest with yourself. And ultimately, I think as a white man, uh, what I was hearing was we need help. And it's not enough to just have support. I mean, there has to be a willingness uh, to confront these things when you see them, um, be willing to take action. And to Lloyd's point, you know, I, I think this isn't, this was all the coaches. And I think all the coaches being aware of the fact that we, we coach some tremendous, tremendous men and the players and, and they're active in their communities and the things you're, they're doing, but also wanting to, you know, to stand, you know, on our, on our own. And, you know, Lloyd's speech was in passion. I, I think he, you qualified it, Lloyd, before you started talking. Um, and that was impactful. It was powerful. And I don't think there was a, a guy in the room that didn't feel that. So, um, you know, that, that we've all got a different perspective and a different experience, but in the fundamental things that, that were talked about and shared and there was real dialogue, um, I think we're all, you know, not just aligned, but, but, you know, very much, um, you know, shared the same, the same vision of what hopefully um, we have an opportunity to try to do. With real guidance and the right coach, NBA teams go from good to great. Just like real help from your State Farm agent can make all the difference in protecting what matters most. And when you think about coaches who have made an impact not just on the court and with championships, but on issues of social impact, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Doc Rivers, among them, nine NBA championships as head coaches, but even a greater impact as voices for the sport, for social change, and that's leadership at its highest level. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can guide you through whatever life throws your way. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, since we've all been shopping online the past few months, AT&T has made it easy for anyone that wants to buy a new phone or device online. They're offering fast, free, no contact delivery and curbside pickup 
so that online shopping is as simple and safe as possible. On top of that, they have a flexible return policy so you can shop at ease. You can visit att.com to learn how to shop online from the safety of your home 24-7. Subject to change, restrictions apply. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery in the state of Georgia, the, the man from Brunswick, Georgia, who was shot down on a on a road in your state. Uh, this is certainly it's this is a national issue. It has been very much a local regional source of pain for, for those in Georgia. Lloyd, the last few weeks from that murder through uh, George Floyd and then the the protests in Atlanta over the weekend, what has it been like in your shoes, through your eyes, in this environment, really over this in, maybe especially intensive period of time? You know, it's... Um one of the things that has, has made me more outspoken in the last few weeks, I guess, is kind of how you frame the question. And so you talked about Ahmaud Arbery and you talked about George Floyd. How far back do we really want to go on this issue? And I think what happens is you don't find that, that true impact or that awareness or that, that feeling of being disturbed until it becomes regional, until it becomes, you know, for Ryan Saunders, until it hits Minnesota, for Quinn Snyder, until it hits, there's protests in Salt Lake City, you know, until it hits your home, all of a sudden, you know, it's a little bit more impactful. The Maude Arbery was, you know, I, I, I went up to vacation at Jekyll Island, which is right next to Brunswick last April. So I know the area. Uh, it's where my family, my wife's family goes every year. Um, the, that's the problem in and of itself as, as you know, we've been, com- we've been complicit. We've all been complicit in our own way, uh, whether we just don't say anything about it or we move on from it. And maybe the pandemic has forced us to sit here and watch this, literally watch George Floyd die in front of us because we have nowhere else to go right now. And, and, the people are able to riot, protest, whatever they're doing. The people are expressing their anger. We're expressing our anger. You're seeing more statements now because no one has anywhere to go right now. So we can't run from this problem. We can't move on from this problem that we've had. Um, and, and I, you know, when I was thinking about this and I was thinking about Minnesota and I was thinking about New York and I expressed that to the coaches, New York was the most disturbing out of everything I've seen. Um, because we, we can go as far back and see, you know, police brutality, police targeting, police murder of black men uh, to see it weaponized right in front of our eyes on camera like the lady did in New York and how it ultimately gets to police brutality is what scared me. And so this week was about that. And then the Minnesota thing was for everyone. And then it's just an awareness that it's going to happen to our city. So now it is in Atlanta. All of a sudden they are rioting and protesting in Atlanta and we're having to deal with it. And Quinn, you're having to deal with it in Salt Lake City. Um, so even if we weren't prepared for it, even if we didn't get to this meeting, we were going to be forced to get to this meeting somehow, some way, because it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to, we weren't going to be able to hide from it um, in any shape, form or fashion. The entire world is having to deal with it right now. 
And I'm just glad that we're able to to recognize it a little bit stronger. I hate that we have to recognize it under these conditions. Uh, I'll be more encouraged by what we're able to do as a result of it, of these meetings and these conversations. Along those lines, Lloyd Quinn, to turn this into action, to turn this into an impact beyond statements in your cities, your communities in this country, what, what does that look like to you for the Coaches Association? How, how have you started to map that out? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, and we've all listened to Killer Mike speak the other day, it, it, you know, it's plot, plan, it's strategize. Um, it, it's some of the key terms he used. We, we'll have our third meeting tomorrow as a committee. Um, everyone's got a lot of ideas and that's, you know, that's, that's, we're at least planning and we're, we're there. The word we've used consistently is sustainable. You know, whatever we do, it has to be sustainable. We, we've, I just got off the phone with CP this morning and, and Chris Paul and, and, you know, he's head of the players association. We need allies. We, we have a platform. We need to use that platform. Um, but it has to be sustainable. What we've talked about is we've seen the I can't breathe t-shirts and we've seen the patches and the buttons and, and we would love to do that. We would love to do any and everything that we can, but what we really need is systemic change and, and we need to get with law enforcement officials. We need to talk about those things. And we've thrown out every idea, every possible option of, of what is true change, impactful change that we can create, uh, that we can keep and sustain every NBA city can, can, uh, can be a part of it. Um, and it's really, it's really that simple. How we go about doing it, we understand this isn't going to happen next week. This is going to take some time. We're going to have to hire some outside counsel. We're going to have to bring in people that are experts in this field. But sustainability is what's most important, not just doing it because we're emotional, not just doing it because we're seeing it on TV this week, but something that the NBA, because of our platform, because of our access, uh, we can create, we can get behind. Uh, we can encourage and and we can sustain it. It doesn't matter if I'm a head coach next year. This this thing will continue to go on. And that and everyone should have that mentality and everyone has shared that. And that's why we had to be unified as coaches, because it isn't, you know, do what you normally do in your local city. We all do something. We all are out in our communities. But as as we move on and others move on, is this still continuing to progress uh, for the for the good of our players, African American players in our league, for the good of our coaches, for us that have been silent too long, uh, and to not be silent anymore, to know that this is a mandated thing as a head coach and a leader of an NBA team in an NBA city, you're mandated uh, to help be a part of this change. You know, Lloyd, just to, one of the things for me has just been, and I'm you know, again this morning is just trying to listen um, because you know. Part of the sustainability um, and the partnerships that Lloyd's referring to, it, 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 the white people, you know, this is not just a black problem. That's one of the things I continue to hear and understand that, that, you know, this is in some ways, this is a white problem. And that sustainability, those partnerships, um, it's necessary for white people to listen and to be willing to take action and not just, you know, to have a voice. And, you know, one, one of the things that, that has been impactful to me and, you know, again, just having an opportunity to have, to see the, you know, other people sharing, you know, colleagues of mine, 
And Monty Williams penned a letter the other day, I think yesterday. And one of the things that he talked about was his children. Alvin Gentry mentioned the same thing. And, you know, we're all at home. You know, we're the TV's on. We're seeing, you know, what's happening in our country. And my kids are there, you know. And I've got a couple of them that are too young really to understand. But sometimes kids understand more than you think. And I've got a couple others that are asking. You know, they're, they're trying to process what's going on. And what we tell our children, what we tell the people that we're close to, um, our ability to have, I mean, even with your kids, you know, it, it's hard to, to explain, you know, on a certain level, the, the magnitude of what they're watching and knowing that they're going to be, to Lloyd's point, this is not a short-term thing. This is enduring. And part of having lasting change is, is our families. And it, it hit, hits home on, on that level as well. And just to reemphasize and reiterate, um, I, I think that's part of what the coaches in the room felt, the white coaches, you know, that, hey, we need to, we need to mobilize along with our colleagues. And this has to become as important and we have to be as committed, you know, as the African-American coaches uh, in that room. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, Quinn. I, I know you pride yourself on the relationships that you build with your players and how uh, I think your ability to connect and, and empathize and, and, and understand your guys to be able to coach them. Same with Lloyd. That's, you, you've got to be able to do that to coach, I think, at any level but certainly your level and, and even doing that. And you, you mentioned even with your coaching staff with black coaches on your staff, Quinn, do you find yourself going for as, as much of a connection and the relationships I have, do you find yourself asking yourself now or in this recent window, am I understanding these issues enough with them, how they impact my players do I ask the question enough? Do I do we talk on that issue enough? Um, has that been part of your thought process here lately? Yeah, and and it's kind of what I tried to articulate a little bit earlier. Um, you can be close with somebody, but you can also be close and have blind spots in your relationship. And I wouldn't say this has been a blind spot for me, um, but it's not always comfortable and there, you know, there's always things, no matter how close you are to people, there's places the conversation um, doesn't always go in as much depth. And, you know, we, we met with our team um, as much as anything. I just wanted to, I wanted to feel like I, I just want to acknowledge what was going on. Um, but really that, that I needed to have my awareness raised, frankly. And, you know, Again, you know, being willing to be uncomfortable and then listening. You know, I, I can't understand on a certain level, just experientially, what Lloyd has been through, what Fizz has been through and some of the experiences that they've had. They just haven't happened to me. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not real to me. And my path is different. And there's nothing wrong with that, I think, to understand that, to accept that. That doesn't mean you can't help impact change. Um, it doesn't mean you can't be committed. And and listening to our players, like that that helped me as well. I've had to have conversations with two of my white assistants that has been, you know, different 
it could easily be woe is me about me. I'm the victim. You know, black men are being murdered. Um, and they heard my, my fear and my, my, my passion and my rage and my anger, everything. My, my coaching staff heard that. Um, one of the things that really moved me was Chris Gent. I talked to Chris Gent, one of my assistant coaches. He's got a teenage old daughter. And he said for the first time, like he, he was embarrassed. He was disgusted in, in his role and what he feels and, and just not doing enough or saying enough. He said he, he had the first conversation he's ever had with his teenage daughter about potentially what her role could be. And, you know, the incident in New York with the white woman pulling her phone out and weaponizing or attempting to weaponize the police, you know, how to keep her, his daughter from becoming that woman and taking advantage of her privilege if she felt she needed to. We all have to be, we all have to be uh, vocal, uh, not just Quinn reaching out to Johnny Bryan and, 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 his, and some of the black assistants um, in order for us to get true change. And as Quinn said, it, it is an issue with, 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 with uh, it's a white people issue as well, being able to address this comfortably. Um, but it works both ways. I had to address this with Christian. I had to, I spoke with Matt Hill, one of my other assistants last night. Um, he was emotional speaking to our guys in our meeting yesterday for the first time. And he said, I have no idea where it came from. It's finally, finally actually communicating what's been in his heart. He just didn't know how to say it or when to say it or even who to say it to. And so, you know, I, I just think starting and having these, these really courageous conversations are, are extremely important um, because everyone has to play their part in, for us to have uh, lasting change, as Quinn talked about. Hey guys, now more than ever, we have to look out for each other and count on each other. Marathon wants you to know that you can count on them for high quality, top tier gas. Marathon gasolines are formulated with STP additives. They keep your vehicle running at peak performance by optimizing fuel economy, removing those ugly deposit buildups, and by reducing emissions. And right now you can get five cents off every gallon every day with make it count rewards for Marathon. Plus, you can earn points for additional savings on fuel, airfare, hotels, and more. This is definitely a deal you can count on. It's quick and easy to join. Just download the free Make It Count app or go to makeitcount.com slash radio and start saving today. This offer is valid only at participating Marathon stations. Remember, wherever you need to go, be safe. The people at Marathon are behind you all the way. Scott's Turf Builders Triple Action has acquired the secret to building a thicker, greener lawn. In return, they have taken all of the hard work out of the picture to give you more time to do nothing extra. People don't realize that it's easy to get the lawn of their dreams by simply fitting their lawn a few times throughout the year. Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action kills weeds, prevents crabgrass, and feeds to build thick green lawns. With Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action, you can get the lawn you've always dreamt of. Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help your weak, thin lawn recover. When you feed with Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action multiple times throughout the year, your grass will be greener, stronger, and more resilient. Pick up a bag today. This is a Scott's Yard. Also, Scott's No Quibble Money Back Guarantee states, if you're not satisfied, you get your money back. This is a Scott's Yard. You know, in the last few days and thinking about getting on with you guys and talking, you know, I've thought about some of the 
conversations I've had on this podcast through the years with Dwayne Casey talking about growing up in the South and being seven or eight years old and seeing the Klan march through rural Kentucky as a young man and how that impacted him. Um, talking to David Fisdale about being a young man in South Central LA during the Rodney King unrest and the impact that had on him. And uh, Lloyd, I, I wonder, being the leader of the Atlanta Hawks in that city with the civil rights history of that region, does it, does it for you take on or, or feel like a greater burden, a greater responsibility than you might feel somewhere else that leadership in that part corner of this country, uh, maybe, maybe even carries more gravity to it. Yeah, w- without a doubt. Um, I would feel like a coward, uh, being here in this city, um, and, and not trying to play a part with the community. Uh, and I knew that, I knew that when I took the job, I, I knew I was going into a city that was unique to all other cities in our country as an African American man and with the history of African American men and their leadership for others. Um, you know, my first two months here living in Atlanta, you know, I'm, I'm meeting John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis with our staff and, and meeting Ambassador Young. He comes and speaks to our team. And I'm going over to the house of, of uh, Reverend Joseph E. Lowry um, and speaking to him. Just those three conversations alone, you, you come out of it. You say this place is different. This place, this city is different. I, I'm at Reverend Lowry's party this year and sitting next to Dr. Martin Luther King's only living sibling at the dinner. And so. You have to be a voice um, in this city. And, and what I've learned is because of that responsibility, you, you feel every single burden. Quinn, I know you do as well. If a player comes to you and, and tells you, you know, my aunt has cancer, you can't stop thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about what your player is going through, every practice, every game. So multiply that by your players, your coaches, your staff. And in here in the city of Atlanta, you know, it is the African-American issue that that problem hasn't. That, this problem is is very real. Um, you know, in the, in the racist side, I think, you know, Dwayne Casey has spoken about it and he talked about it, you know, growing up in the South and growing up in the, the civil rights era. But that's not the only form of racism that we're seeing and dealing with just in the pandemic. You know, lower income areas, African-American communities are being affected and being hit by this because they don't have access to health care. And so what are they doing? They're out now. These are probably the people that are out of rioting. They're homeless. Uh, they're out of work. They don't have access to health care. They've seen black men murder. They're angry. They're frustrated. They're pent up. And so because no one cares. And so no one cares about African-American men that are being killed. And you just put it all into the same bubble, the same category. And someone needs to hear us when we're frustrated and when we say we're living in fear and when we say that we're hurting right now, someone needs to hear us because it isn't just black and white and race. It's economic and socioeconomic. It's, it's the areas of which we live in. You feel all of that in Atlanta. Atlanta is predominantly black. There's a lot of black owned businesses that are here, but that doesn't mean there aren't lower income areas. And that doesn't mean there's a lot of the community here in the city that are forgotten about and being stepped over. I couldn't agree more about the socioeconomic component that that fuels a lot of things. 
and I, you know, our city here in Salt Lake is, is, is a contrast to Atlanta, a stark one. You know, we don't have a large African American population. You know, it's, it's small. Um, but we have players. We have African American players. Um, I think some of us, you know, Lloyd mentioned it earlier. There, there was protest, um, significant protest, not maybe as much in numbers, but impassioned, uh, in Salt Lake the other day. And, and I think, I don't think people were surprised. Um, but it was, it was noteworthy. You know, I don't know that that's, um, that's, you, you wouldn't expect that in just because there's protests across the country. It just shows how pervasive and how intense and emotional this, this issue is. And, you know, our, Lloyd and I talked about this, uh, a little bit over the last couple of days. And, you know, our, our owner, Gail Miller and, and her family, you know, that, that own the jazz and have for decades, you know, she had some comments to our fans last year in our arena and, and they were poignant and, and I think powerful to a lot of people. And it, it was raising awareness and, but it was more than that. You know, it was, it was a statement, you know, about how people need to treat each other. Um, and the fact that they need to confront these things. And she issued another statement yesterday, which, you know, I was pleased to hear. I think our players appreciate it. They, statements don't, you know, solve problems, um, but they certainly can provide um, some direction. And I think that in our community, you know, seeing what's going on around the country and understanding that you're not removed from it. You're not immune to it just because you don't see, you know, a black person, in your neighborhood, you know, just because it isn't touching you the same way. You may need to raise your awareness more. You may need to, you know, be uncomfortable to accept um, that these things are going on. And um, it's, you know, there's an urgency to this in my mind and everyone's obviously that that's been clear, but the, the overlay of, of the economic component to me is also, you know, something, and we haven't talked about that. That's a secondary thing. Um, but there's, it fuels some of this stuff and it makes it even more challenging. I wonder if either of you have given any thought or much thought to the idea of why do you think that NBA coaches more than I think any other professional sport have whether it's shown a willingness or an ability or an environment that allows for leadership on issues of race in sports or race in America, is there something unique to the NBA or those who coach in the NBA? Or are there restrictions or consequences that might hang over others in other sports um, that might be different than the environment you you both work in. You know, I I um, I can't speak on the other coaches association or if there are associations for the other sports. Um, one of the things since I've been in the NBA is, is is I have relied on our association for a number of issues with regards to our four hundred one k plans, um, the previous pension plans, health care, annuities ways of growing the game, ways of, of growing my brand as, a, as an assistant coach to a head coach. Uh, we've been unified for a long time in having meetings 
as an association, whether it's during summer league, um, on the road when, you know, when you get to New York and you're playing in New York, they, they, David Fogel and Karen, they, they come to the, to the hotel and meet with the entire staff to update us. And so, you know, I, I think we've, we've had a common connection as an association for a long time. Um, and so I think this is the challenge that we're all facing, you know, when something like that, that that's real, like this, that comes up, that's real. You know, how unified are we? That was the question. How unified are we? We, we like to come together to, to speak about our money and to speak about everything we're doing that's well for us. <laughs> you know, are, are we going to come together on this issue? Um, so, you know, I think our starting point has been tremendous. And and, and I'm encouraged, in, you know, in less than 24 hours, we were able to get the entire head coaches together to, to speak on something that's real. And, and since then it's, it's been consistent and, you know, I've, I've continued to receive Quinn. I hope you have as well, but I've continued to speak to the coaches that are, are not in the committee about how they can help and what they can do. And, you know, what, what's, what's the update and, you know, can I send you stuff? So, you know, I, I applaud our association, but I, I won't, I won't, you know, start cheering. I think we'll, what we'll do is we'll applaud and, and say, okay, let's get back to work. And, you know, when we cheer is when we see change and we see difference. Yeah. I, I, it's definitely, there's a collective unification with all the coaches, you know, and the committees set up, you know, as an organizational um, tool to, to, you know, to, to plan and to, to focus, but the, you know, there's a unification with everybody and how they feel. And, um, I, I think to your question, I, I think there's, I don't know what the right word is an intimacy or it's probably not best description, but there's not, we don't have 30 players. We don't have 40 play, There's, there's less players on an NBA team and it forces you, I think, to have those interactions, you know, um, it, there's times where it feels personal. And as a coach, being willing, you know, to say things that may not be received, um, initially and may be confrontational. And, you know, that you're willing to say those things, you know, are you willing to talk about these things? And, um, I, I think, I'd like to think that, you know, I think all of us strive to, you know, to earn our players' trust, um, and to have, you know, for us to trust them, you know, it goes both ways. And so in some respects that, that foundation hopefully can be one that, um, that can allow us to continue to have dialogue and facilitate some, some sort of change. Well, I think the other thing, the other component that we all sit back and, and we've all seen Steve and, and pop speak on this and doc, you know, confidently, comfortably, um, you know, and as an assistant for years, I've studied them and, you know, it's, it's great, man. Those guys with that security, that job security and that comfort, you know, it's great that they're doing this for us is how I've interpreted it. Uh, but like Quinn said, it, it isn't, we're going to go as far as, as the most uncomfortable guy head coach in our league. You know, we're going to go as a league and promoting and pushing this. Whoever is at the bottom of that in terms of comfort, we know where Pop is. He's at the top of his comfort. Is he, you know, that's where he is. 
But whoever's at the bottom, whatever elevation we can have in promoting him to speak on this in his local community, to be a part of our association is our growth. And, you know, for me, I'm going to say I am at the bottom. You know, I'm a second year coach that I'm walking into this situation and I'm tackling, trying to tackle a a ton of things, trying to, you know, grow a team, um, trying to do it in a tough city in terms of the history of of African-American in this issue. And then I'm I'm approaching a lot of veteran and seasoned coaches and and calling us all out to do more. And so I'm not personally job security is not an issue of mine. I'm not worried about the consequences. I'm worried about uh, the lack of speaking up. Uh, Lloyd Pierce and Quinn Snyder, both members of the NBCA's committee on racial injustice and reform guys thrilled uh, with what you're doing. Appreciate you taking time to, to share uh, some of your thoughts and, and, and the plans here and, and certainly anything we can do to be helpful. Uh, we certainly want to, but, but guys, thanks for what you're doing and thanks for jumping in today. Thanks, Wilch. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks, Wilch. Yep. Appreciate thanks. it. Thanks to my guest today, Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce and Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder. You can check out new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out the Low Post with Zach Lowe, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst, the SVP Pod with Scott Van Pelt, Ariel Hawane's MMA show. And be sure to catch Monday's episode of ESPN Daily with Mina Kimes, in which Minnesota Timberwolves coach Ryan Saunders was her guest. We'll catch you next time.